hello and welcome back to the Middlemen podcast after our first live stream since lockdown. We're back on Spotify and however else you get your podcasts and YouTube as well. And we're going to be talking about that fight that we live streamed, the Lee Wood versus Maurizio Lara showcase of about it really was phenomenal watching Maurizio Lara stop Lee Wood or or Lee Wood's corner throwing in the towel, whatever way you want to look at it. Just a night of boxing to remember for a long, long time. So we'll look back on that. Lee Wood withdrawing because of his team and Maurizio Lara going on probably now to go and fight Josh Warrington. And there was some beef uh, on ringside as well from Saturday night. So plenty to talk about this week, including, uh, I think we'll start with the really, really sad passing of John Motson, who... To all of us, and Max and I studied sports journalism at university, so commentators, part of folklore for us. As a child growing up, I can speak for both of us, John Motson was a hero. He he is the voice and was the voice that you've just associated with football. Uh, you've got Martin Tyler now, and children growing up now will have other commentators like Jim Proudfoot and, and maybe Guy Mowbray on the BBC, but John Motson... I think we were sort of the last generation to get the best of Motti. And it's it was a really sad and it, a really heartfelt moment yesterday. Just he, he's gone. It was quite hard to contemplate. And it was one of the first things, as you always do when you wake up, you look at your phone to see what's going on. And it, it was the BBC notification, the first of the day that uh, Motti had passed away. So I think... I can only say that he was a hero. And like I said on my Instagram, I think he was a pioneer in terms of the way he, he's led sports journalism and, and the way he's carried it forward uh, and inspiration. And Max, he, he's someone who will remember. Oh, most definitely. He's uh, such a piece of, of football in history. And as you said, you know, we were the last kind of generation to to soak in his greatness and and to be able to consume the greatness that he put out there in the world of of sports media and and commentary um just a, an absolute all-round legend and such a sad thing to happen of course he was he was coming to to his old age but the respect and and the outpour of wholesomeness that I've seen across media in in reaction to his passing uh has just been phenomenal you know from football clubs to of course match of the day uh, where he really established himself as one of the best commentators in, in sports of all time. Um, and just, you know, seeing all the media come together to to honour his passing and, and to give, uh, you know, his family and him now uh, their wishes is, is such a shame. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, mate, I think you nailed it completely on the head one of the best to ever do it on the microphone, gave us so many iconic sporting moments, uh, just an all-round legend. And, you know, when you're talking about him, um, even if we spoke about him two weeks ago when he was still alive, you would never have one bad thing to say about him. You know, with other commentators, you might maybe find a flaw with them. Uh, me personally, I never speak ill of the dead anyway, even if even if he wasn't um, a good person or anything but like he was. He was just from everything that I saw from him, everything that I heard from him uh, on the mic and just videos of him, mate, uh, an all-out legend, not one bad bone in his body from from what I could see from him and from the person that I could see he was. Um, and, yeah, just an absolute shame to see him go. Uh, yeah, it, it truly is. And the word legend is thrown around far too often 
nowadays. And he really was a broadcasting legend and someone who dabbles in a bit of commentary myself but for the BBC and in local radio, just where Motti started. I, I can really connect with John Moxon and, and, you know, I listened back to him and before he made, he made it big and the break he got when he called Ronnie Radford's goal, uh, he was saying that he, he struggled as a commentator and you, you feel that you feel those struggles as a young BBC radio commentator coming through. So for, for me, John Moxon just relates, relates to me. He really does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a really, really sad loss. And he would have loved Saturday night's boxing. He really would have done uh-huh. because it's just class Motti and the way he could call a, a fight or obviously a game, which is, is what he was best known for. The way he could pinpoint a name when they entered the, the six-yard box, when they were right in the thick of the action, when there's a sea of shirts and you could always, always pinpoint who had scored. And that is really hard. So uh, a complete legend. And like I said, I think he would have loved Saturday night. We certainly did. And uh, we will honour John Motton by talking sport. And... We can start with, I think, the Maurizio Lara victory, a seventh round TKO. I mean, yeah, I think that's what it, it goes in as. Yeah, just a, uh, it's, it's a technical knockout, isn't it? I think, or, or a um, retired uh, retirement uh, RTD. So a TKO or an RTD, whichever, whichever one you want to chalk it off as. So you can go with either. And the fact of the matter is that. Having actually not we, on our live stream, we were saying it was very, very much Lee Wood who was in control of that fight for the majority of it until they both locked up in the seventh for 10 to go. And Lara landed first and he landed heavy. Having also, let's not forget, he landed just moments before and uh, had Warrington in a little bit of trouble there too. Uh, and then Ben Davison, Josh Warrington, uh, Warrington, Lee Wood's coach, uh, throws in the towel. 10 to go. Was it the right decision? Personally, I still don't think it was. He's come out and said, well, imagine you're standing in front of one of clearly now the world's best punchers, heaviest hitters in his in that division of that weight class uh, for 10 seconds, having already received a bit of a battering and put yourself in that position. And that's where he comes from. And he believes that he would have been harming his fighter had, had he have let uh, Lee would stay in the ring. What are your thoughts on the Max? Having had time to look back. Did Ben Davidson make the right decision? I think he most definitely did. It was very controversial and very hard to to process whether he did or not at the time. Um, I initially, my my very first impression, which you can see on the live stream, is that I thought he was impulsive. I thought that he saw Lee get hit with one big shot and didn't, I mean, it's perfectly okay if he didn't want to risk seeing him get hit with another, but he did get hit with another, and then he threw the towel in. I think it was perfect timing. Um, you know, Ben Davidson gets a lot of stick on social media. Everyone calls him a fitness instructor or a PE teacher, and he, he gets a lot of this, but this guy is a fantastic coach. He's coached, you know, multiple world champions, um, and he's just shown another level and another layer to what makes a great coach is your timing and not just timing of, you know, when to give your fighter a pep talk in the corner or when to get your fighter to step up a level. It's also taking your fighter out of that equation as well. He could have easily left him in there. As you said, there was so many factors that he could 
that would have allowed him to not have thrown in the towel. But he fought against them and he said, no, my priority is the welfare of my fighter. I don't care if it's 10 seconds or 100 seconds or 1,000 seconds to go in the round. I know they don't have that many seconds in one round, but, you know, the timing at the end of the day is irrelevant when you look at Wood's condition because it was only going to get progressively worse from there. I don't think, you know, we spoke a lot about um, intelligently defending yourself uh, on, on the live stream on the night, because that's when I think a referee should really be stepping in for a stoppage. Cause I think we were looking at the, well, we the were Dalton, looking at the fight, the fight before. And yeah. The Don Smith fight, wasn't it? It was astonishing how the referee let that fight go on. Yeah. But, but as, as we were saying, and, and that's why, uh, intelligent defending was kind of brought into it because, uh, Don Smith's opponent just about managed to, to stay in there and convince the referee, but, you know, it wasn't about the referee in the main event. Um, at the end of the day, Ben Davison wasn't convinced. And that's all it needs. I would love to see more uh, coaches do what he does and not get high on the potential glory of the fight and keep that priority, even when your fighter is like, because as I said, he had every reason not to throw that towel in. His fighter was five rounds up, you know? He could, if he maybe what saw you, that what round do you come up, back from it? Do, do you think if... That fight had gone on, he would have come back from it. That's what Tony Bell is saying. That Tony Bell yeah. says, "What did you expect? Obviously, you were going to get hit and hit, yeah. get hit hard by Maurizio Lara. Look what he did to Josh Warrington, uh, and look what happened with Condit uh, when Wood for what, he came back." What I say is, with Conlon, with in the Conlon situation, that was the first round, so Lee had a lot more time to recover. Um, he had, he had, and now I think it was even closer. I know there's only 10 seconds left in the Lara fight. If I'm not wrong, I think it even had less time in the first round of the Conlon fight. I might be wrong about that, but Bellew actually did end up backtracking and went on Twitter to formally apologize to, um, Ben Davison. If you saw that and he said, you know, fair enough. Um, and Lee Woods, you know, d- done the same thing and, and backed Ben Davison's decision and said, you know, of course it was gutting at the time, but how can you hate a guy that's that's got you know your your best interests and and your health um your health in 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 his best interest so i mean yeah he has got recovery skills he's proved that he's got that before but why risk that it's all if buts and maybes you know yeah he he may have recovered he could have gone back to the stool and that minute could have been vital to him and he could have come back again but as we saw all it takes is one big shot wood got a little complacent about it and got taken down once. And Lara is capable of that from the first round to the 12th. So I think it was inevitable that another big shot was coming in. And, you know, Lara's got this belt now. He's beaten a power puncher with it by his own game. And he's put the whole featherweight division on notice with, as well, with great boxing IQ, which a lot of, which is going under the radar of a lot Very of people's impressions fighter. of him. Very clever fight, the way he fights on the inside. He can land hooks with, uh, such speed and accuracy, but he loops them as well. He can keep taller, bigger opponents completely within his own reach and in control. A, a really clever guy and a really smart puncher like you say. I'll tell you what Ben Davidson said. Uh, he says that I've got what Tony Benny said in front of me. Ben Davidson uh, says, what was going through my head was, can he defend himself uh, if we stand in front of someone and count to 10? That's too long to be in front of someone if you can't defend yourself. So that's what Ben Davison said. Lara, I mean, La- La- Lara's response was hilarious. 
I wasn't surprised. I was glad that they threw in the towel. I saw how he was moving. If his team would have allowed him to continue, he would have suffered even more punishment. Yeah, well, that's definitely something Maurizio Lara is going to say, isn't it? Yeah. Lara <laughs> is this is this really weird character who's come out of nowhere. Like, he has come out of just completely thin air by the looks of things. And then he goes and beats Josh Warrington once, and the second time was a draw, and he torments Warrington even more. Then he goes and spits at Warrington after this fight. So Josh Warrington is is being wound up and tormented and, and to the point where I think it, it would be the logical conclusion to see a third fight between them both. Um, and then as for Lee, Lee Wood, where's he left now? He's 34. You know, two years ago, no one had heard of the guy. He was a British champion fighting at Wembley Arena. Now, like we said before, jumping on air, he's at loose ends because he can't fight uh, Luis Alberto Ramirez. Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he's fighting Michael Conlon in Belfast in May. That one's off the table. Warrington Lara is almost certainly going to be on the table too. So where does it leave both fighters? Where does it leave Lee Wood? It's, yeah, there's a lot to tie up in, in this featherweight division now, but I think that's a good thing. I think it's given us good headaches because there are so many matchups that we can put together and are getting put together. Uh, first of all, though, like to, to comment on uh, Lara's character and, and who he is, it's a, it's a really strange one, right? Because I see like different sides to him every time. Um, well, because he, you know, he was getting teary. Yeah, so you get this teary, big exactly. sloppy side. Before a fight, you get the I have no mercy side, and then he's getting upset about comments Warrington's making about his dad. It's like the guy has three or four different characters. Yeah, and you you never know which one's going to turn up. You know which one's always going to turn up in the ring, but outside of it, it's it's very confusing. And you know, he's I don't know if there's there might be a language barrier like we've seen it um, in fights like Canelo and Plant beforehand, where something's been completely misinterpreted um, and has you know had violent consequences. I don't know if if that's the case. Um, not you know not to say that Warrington hasn't been trying to rile him up. Of course, you do that with every opponent to try and sell a fight and, and to promote it. Um, but I think Lara's taking this like this is personal narrative a lot more than Warrington is. Um, even though Lara's taken away every kind of Warrington's saying that he doesn't understand it. Warrington's saying, has uh, he said something wrong about Mexican food? But where is he upset Mitzio, Mitzio yeah. Lara? He says something about his dad, maybe a little bit complacently not thinking, but Warrington doesn't... And, and he said, didn't he, in the first fight, I've got nothing but respect for you. The second fight, the tone changed where he says, right, now this is business. But he's, Warrington, you feel, has never really stepped over the line. Here's Mauricio Lara spitting at him. The only thing that I can think about, which naturally would completely frustrate you, is in the ring during their fights. And I can see why, now you said it, I can see why Lara's opinion, I don't, I don't think it um, warrants such a response that you go and spit at the man after a whole separate fight. But in their second fight and the first and you know even in Warrington's last fight he's a known headbutter right he comes in charges in with his head a lot albeit Lara was doing that with Wood quite often in their fight as well but you know Warrington is 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 very known for it charging in with his head um clumsily and that is literally why the second fight got stopped so it makes sense but yeah as I said I don't think it it warrants um Warrington to be spat at but 
if we're talking about Lara's in-ring style and that he, you know, he comes across uh, like a wild kind of brawler slugger, you know, not really clever, but when you actually look into his boxing, he's a clever boxer. It might be the same outside the ring. He might be evolving such a narrative with Warrington because he beat him in the first fight. He beat the brakes off him in the second before it was stopped. I think he's just picking up an uh, uh, opponent that he seems is easy enough to beat for his first world title defence. Yeah, you may well be seeing dollar signs. You may well be talking the talk because he knows he can walk the walk, unlike maybe Jake Paul, who I think I think will uh, get a lot handed to him on Sunday night, isn't it? Um, very quickly, before we move on to Jake Paul, Tommy Fury, I've been reading a lot about this Josh Warrington beef with Maurizio Lara because it is quite entertaining. And Warrington has essentially said that, could you imagine if a British fighter spat at someone? Could you imagine the uproar in the press? How it would go down, how it would be received. Uh, but no one seems to bat an eyelid about uh, Rizzo Lara doing it. No, yeah, no, you're completely right. And I think when it's uh, so, like uh, maybe a foreign boxer coming into our home, so we kind of see it more as the entertainment drive. And it's not really the case, you know, at the end of the day, boxing is a gentleman's sport, it's about respect. And he didn't show that. And I think, especially after you've gone two fights with somebody, you know, fair enough, they did try and, and fight dirty. There's got to be some kind of level of respect there, but Lara's just showing completely none at all, but then, like, you know, to Warrington, but then he, there's videos emerging of him embracing Lee Wood in the in the dressing room, and which which is kind of hypocritical to the quote that you just read about what he said about Wood. So, as we said, it, it's a very, very unpredictable kind of character. Here it is. I'm going to have to plug in my laptop very quickly, which is something uh, John Watson would hate because he was the most prepared man in the world. <laughs> the most prepared and professional. I, I, think, hey, I think we're but... plugged in now. I oh, think brilliant, we're okay. Marty um, had struggles too, and I was oh, about no, to say no. No so... way. My, la my laptop is... What's happened? <laughs> no, it looks stressed, guys. No, it looks really stressed. So if you notice a little cut there on YouTube, it's because my laptop crashed for the first time ever in recording this podcast. So a little bit of middleman history there. A um, little, little bit of a stressful moment. As You know when it flashes up and it says batteries low, and you're thinking, all right, you've got, you haven't got long here, but I thought I had longer than I had, and I didn't. And my laptop <laughs> locked. Uh, it's only locked once before. That was a Shepherd Wednesday where it locked because of the cold. I couldn't send off a match report to the press association. So clearly only happens in big, important moments on big, important podcasts. Like <laughs> this one. So back with the laptop, nicely charged. And we were going to go on to two men, actually, who are very fueled for this fight, very charged up with Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. And we have to talk about it because, because it's being spoken about everywhere. Everyone's interested in this fight. You speak to someone who's never watched boxing before, they know about this fight. You overhear it in the shops when you're down the supermarket or wherever you are, this fight seems to be gripping people. So however trivial or ridiculous it may seem to some boxing fans, it is very, very relevant and one we're going to have to speak about. So it's Sunday night uh, in Saudi Arabia between Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. And for me, uh, there's only one winner. I mean, it's Tommy Fury all the way. It has to be Tommy Fury. Jake Paul has only ever fought, as Tommy said in his press conference, 
50-year-old MMA fighters. MMA is not boxing. And it, Tommy Fury is 23 years old. He's absolutely massive. And he's boxed for most of his life. You know, Jake Paul's been in the sport three years and has never beaten anyone worthy. Okay, you can argue Tommy hasn't either. But at least he's beaten boxers. You know, Jake Paul's never... I, he's only ever fought MMA fighters. The guy has no idea what's about to hit him. Uh, if Tommy Fury loses... I'm going to look very foolish. He's going to look very foolish. And the rest of boxing uh, will look pretty foolish because I think Tommy has the whole sport riding on his shoulders. He, he may well have been a Love Island star. He's still, like it or not, a professional boxer. That's what he gets paid to do by his sponsors, which makes him a pro boxer. He's a ranked boxer. And he's got the chance to either put this Jake full fella, fella to bed or throw himself into a a little bit of a, a stir into a little bit of a storm. Or he gets put to bed, yeah. Yeah. That that that's the problem. And and we have seen that Jake Paul does possess, albeit over pensioners who should never have any business still being in a fight. Uh he has displayed one punch knockout power, but this is the thing. This is not a forty or fifty year old person. This is a, a man at the peak of his powers. Not even at the peak yet, you know, Tommy's still Tommy's still very young. He's young. Um, He's only like, must be uh, sub 25, I think. 23, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as you were saying, though, first, Noah, I remember when celebrity boxing started creeping in and we were like, you know, as as a podcast, how do we handle this? Because Mm. at heart, you know, I'm a boxing purist and and you have, you know, uh, the main traditions and, and the best values of boxing at your heart as well, you know, as we are both both uh, wrote for a website that was very integrated in, in boxing history. So to have something very, very new and very fresh come along, we were, we didn't really know how to handle it a little bit at first. And we were very quite tentative, but now, as you were saying, this is everywhere. Um, it's, it's in my boxing gym, but you know, a lot of the boys that train, um, they, and I was the same when I was, when I was boxing competitively, I didn't actually have a clue about the main kind of climate of boxing. I was, I was a fighter before I was a fan. And then after I, I stopped competitively, I, I became a lot more of a fan. Um, and these boys who at the time are, are fighting competitively and aren't really fans are still invested in this fight and still know about it. I was getting a trim earlier today in the barbershop and, and had like two, three people talking to me about it, you know? Um, so it, as you said, it is everywhere. Uh, I mean, Carl, Carl it, Frott just called Jake Fury, uh, Jake yeah, Paul up. Jake Paul, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, isn't it? The way that Paul can get under these guys' skin, though, and, and lure them all into a bit, of a, a bit of a situation. But this guy, he's a clever guy. He gets himself into positions, win or lose, that he can't actually lose at. Because, you know, with any of his opponents, and probably his future opponents now, even with Tommy Fury, if he loses, he can say, all right, lost to a guy who's been boxing all his life and he's an actual boxer. So what do you expect me to like, do about it? Do you know what I mean? But yeah, you can't have both. You can't say that you've been training harder than him doing all this. Because when you say that, then you can't have, you can't use that as an excuse. You can't then go on and say, oh, I've lost to a boxer who's, you know, been doing it all his life. Well, you say you've been training harder than him. So yeah, by, by doing that, that's going to promote the fight. You've got no excuses now. So I want to see... Jake Paul lay it out, but this guy has such a lack of fundamentals, such a, uh, 
you know, I want to say unorthodox style, but when we talk about unorthodox style in boxing, we think about Roy Jones Jr., we think about Tyson Fury, people who have successful unorthodox styles. But I don't think this awkward, weird style, this uh, foundationless style of Jake Paul is is, is going to have any success against Tommy Fury. Well, it's, it's, it's a style with no structure. You, you cannot have structure being so new to the sport when you've only thought, oh, man, you are completely right that this guy can't lose. Financially, he's already a winner. Winning or losing this fight is irrelevant according to his bank balance because it's going to go through the roof with everything everything associated with this bout. Uh, yeah. And also, it's exactly like Wayne Rooney at Derby. If he loses, well, you're meant to lose. If you win... It's great. You've beaten the odds. So he's in, a, he's in a very comfortable position. He's a really smart guy. And I'll, I'll never take that away from either uh, of the pools, Logan or Jake. They both come from very, very humble beginnings. So with KSI and his career in music and boxing and prime, these guys are clever advertisers. That They promote these. I think Jake Paul will be a brilliant promoter, the way he, he manages to promote himself. And like, he's completely naive and he, he probably plays plays up to that and why wouldn't you because it gets you media attention uh, in his prep before this fight and in the way he's spoken but he knows he'll lose yeah. he doesn't care and why would he um, there, there must uh, be something kind of said about well first of all about about Jake Paul how, how Noah there you gave him credit for his promotional skills and you know going in last year to last year's uh, fight in May between uh, Taylor and Serrano, Jake Paul was actually the lead promoter for Serrano, so that goes to show that you know he he does have all of those qualities that you were just talking about. But I think, as you said as well earlier, for Tommy Fury, he does he's a he's a, a representative of boxing right now. It, it, especially for the purists, it looks like a celebrity's come in and, and became an imposter in the sport and tried to establish himself in the sport in a fraudulent way by fighting people who aren't recognising the sport but have got in a boxing ring and lost to him. And he's claiming that he can fight Canelo. So that's I think that's how he's ruffled feathers. So then for Tommy to be the first pedigree boxer that he's fought, Tommy's got a lot. It's a, it so a lot. He's, a lot got of weight, he's got weight on his shoulders. Uh, and, and he carries he carries that name as well. Like like no other before, yeah. And you know, he could be Tommy John. Do you know what I mean? He like mm. he's still got an immense amount of pressure without being a fury. So then you bring that into it, and it's a whole other ball game. But we have to look at why Tommy is pressing for a fight against Jake Paul when, as I said, he's a pedigree boxer. Why is he not looking for these ranked guys if he's ranked? And that's because, right, personally, I think he has a lack of belief. I know, listen, he's got a baby on the way. Does he have a lack and... of belief or is he settling himself for the future with a huge payoff? And also, Tommy Fury, like it or not, is world famous right now. You go anywhere in the world where anyone knows anything about sport and they will be talking about Tommy Fury, who went on Love Island. And that's how he let, no one had heard of him before Love Island. And Jake Paul, who's a YouTuber, these guys are world famous. So maybe okay, it could well be that he doesn't have belief in, in the pr proper pro ranks, uh, but maybe he's he's simply thinking there's but nothing to lose with this. It's only game. It's a slippery slope, though, because what if he loses? What has he got to gain after he loses? OK, fair enough. Take the Jake Paul fight, win that, get your massive payday and then and then go into the ranks. Maybe that's his plan. But 
But what if, and, and God forbid this happens, but what if he loses? Surely he, he won't. Has, Surely he, only he has will less not opportunities. But, well, he's, he, he's got the risk of being disowned by his family. If he, uh, let's be real, Tommy Fury will be humiliated if he if he loses this fight. I but will be humiliated if he loses. Everyone will fight. be. Everyone will be. But <laughs> there is no, I don't see a way that Tommy Fury can lose a fight like this. I really, really don't. Um, whether he's fought some of the most journeyman boxers in the history of boxing before, it, it doesn't matter. This guy is a boxer and Jake Paul isn't. It's like yeah. Carl Froch is saying that he'll knock out Jake Paul. Of course he will. Of course, yeah. Carl Froch says he'll knock Jake Paul unconscious. Of course he will. It's like anyone else. You go yeah. to the gym, you go down the gym in Derby, you get some big, muscly guys in there who I'm sure can throw a punch, right? Just I've been in there with some of them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't mess around with them. I mean, and you know what? Yeah, they can throw a punch, but they can't throw one against a boxer because a boxer can move and duck and uh, have the skill oh, and sorry, ability. I thought, I thought you were talking you know? about a big, muscly boxer there. Well, you know... As you know say, I've saying. been in there with the boxers, but not on the streets with them in Derby. I wouldn't go near them. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go near them. But I, yeah. I think I think Jake Paul just just doesn't stand a chance. No, and this is the the only reason that I say it's it's a lack of belief. I I still believe Tommy will wipe the will wipe the floor with him because he has a he has those uh, foundations and and those fundamentals that Jake Paul lacks. But I just I think lack of belief because. And this, and this is why I have a, a small lack of belief in him. It's because I've seen his last few fights and, and they've been far from impressive. They've been far from impressive. Um, but I still think, you know, impressive or not in his, in his previous fights, he still has what it takes to beat Paul. And, and uh, if it just goes any other well, he way... Didn't want to take, he didn't want to take... It can't, the, it surely he can't. didn't want to take Jake Paul's offer of all or nothing. John, John steps in and says, yeah, we'll have that because... I think John has all the belief in the world in his son. I maybe you are, right. maybe he's he's got that little bit of worry that he might lose this fight. Although personally, I don't think he will. Uh, I'm going to go Tommy Fury round four TKO. I'm going to go Fury on points, but I think it's going to be a dominant. I think it's going to be a dominant. No, actually, do you know what? I'm going to take that back. I reckon round seven. Round seven uh, TKO from Tommy Fury because we've seen vulnerabilities from Jake Paul. We see more of his promotion than we see of his fights. Well, so that's we see, it. We see what how he much says. Is, how much has anyone actually seen of Jake Paul in a ring? How how much have you heard of Jake Paul in a ring versus exactly. how much have you seen of him? You've you listen to him talk and he talks like a guy that wasn't stunned by Tyson. Uh, that wasn't stunned by yeah. Tyron Woodley. Sorry, that wasn't gassed after a four round fight. That wasn't rocked before. He has. All of those things have happened to him, but he's he's yapper yapper yeah. yappered his way out of it. So there will be no talking on Sunday night. There will be no talking, and all these vulnerabilities will show, but they'll show late because he has such a short gas tank that I don't think he can blitz Paul. But we haven't seen Paul really have to defend himself either. So uh, so Noah, you, that's where your your prediction might become more accurate because. Say Fury just says, I'm going to go out there. Jake Paul can't land a counterpunch. I'm going to go well, that, out there. Well, that's there it. And, and I, I, that's exactly what I think. I think if Tommy Fury says, I'm going to go for this in the first four rounds, how, how can Jake Paul respond to that? Because you're right. He's never had to defend. And how on earth with, uh, is he going to take shots from a, a guy the size of Tommy Fury? 
for, for me, it, it, it just scientifically, like just logically, it's not possible for Jake Paul to win. It's like getting an average guy who works out into the gym with uh, a professional boxer. It's madness. But And the, the funny thing is, though, is that the average guy, and this is why it's very quite similar, they think they can just take heads off. If you give them like a, a, a few beers or a, a bit of alcohol or something that's going to make them have a bit of belief, they think, yeah, I'll take you. You know, you're not so much bigger than me. You don't know how to throw a fight. You don't have to throw yeah, exactly. a punch, man. Exactly. So, so it is a deluded type of belief. And, and I think that Jake Paul has that going into the fight as well. Deluded type of belief that Jurgen Klopp has. If you, you can come back and beat Real Madrid in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I like to have it. You know, I like to have it. It's the hope that kills you. But why not? We've got nothing else. When you've got nothing else in football, yeah, you haven't got right. the results. You haven't got anything. As long as you've got belief, you'll go a, a, a long way. And I think Liverpool are refinding their identity. They're rediscovering who we are as a club. You know, 5-2 down uh, Tuesday night against Real at home. We're out in full voice, you know, Anfield's a library. It's been a library. Yeah, okay. Understandable. I'll take that. I'm not going oh, to... Gonna... Anfield was bouncing. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue against that. But when you're when you're five two down, you know you'll never walk alone. I know it's our go-to song, obviously, but booming at the end of the game, you know that's what that's about. That not necessarily belief. It's like okay, we've taken our licks, but we take it all together as one, you know, as one club. If there's if we don't get results, I'm so glad that I'm part of a club that at least has that. Yeah, you wouldn't get it in many other clubs, and I, I actually think Liverpool were. Uh, dominant until Allison's mistake. I think that's that's what turned the game on its head. And then uh, defensively, it was one of the worst Liverpool performances I've seen in a long time. Uh, I thought, but I thought going forward, attacking Liverpool were, were brilliant uh, in the, those opening stages of that game. And uh, I thought you'd win that game prior to it when you were two 0 up. It, it could have been four or five, but it goes back to your defence. Yeah, sim similarly to Chelsea at the moment, who just cannot get through a game without a leak in, the, in their back line or something going against Chelsea that seems to just throw everyone off. With Chelsea, it's a load of individuals led by a guy who, like him or not, has never won a thing in his life, has never managed outside a, a, a top-level club and for some reason has, for some reason, a very un-Chelsea style has the backing of the board. And look, Chelsea have Tottenham this weekend. Will it be Graham Potter's? Last game as Chelsea manager, if we don't hope win, so, I, don't I suspect so. And I, oh yeah, I do hope so. Just because, <laughs> just because, and I said it at the start, I said it at the very beginning, what's the point of football? It's winning trophies. Will we ever win anything under Graham Potter? No. Will you, well, I think you, you'll you know, have a chance you, if you have a... No, you, you won't. You won't. It's the same team with Carlo Angelotti or Rafa Benita, both former managers. All right. Same team with... Uh, Diego Simeone, you would you would stand a chance, but not with a manager like Graham Potter. He's just not the right guy for Chelsea. It's not it's not his football. It's, it's, but do, I, do you think it's worth just seeing what he can come up with in the next month at least? Because you know you've brought so many players in that you can't expect them. Of course, you want an instant, immediate impact, but that is a needle in a haystack. You know that's a that's a Luis Diaz, and and that, those are so rare to come by. 
So don't you want to just see what what could happen when the team gel and when they really build that chemistry? Or do you think that do you think that Potter can't I, I build do. the chemistry I, between I, them? I do, but not under Graham Potter. I think uh, I, I don't like criticizing managers. It's never nice to criticize a manager, especially when they're at your club. But when you look at someone who so clearly is out of his depth, and it, all he's doing by staying, in my opinion, is damaging the club further, especially if we lose to Tottenham. And Tottenham, like him or not this season, look pretty well together at points. And uh, Harry Kane seems to be a pretty good mm-hmm. form. They've even it's got gonna... Emerson Royale scoring. I know. It's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult game uh, for Chelsea. And we're, we can discuss Potter uh, post that London derby on Sunday. And then it's the Tommy Fury fight that night. So a big weekend of football ahead. And it's always a pleasure to look back on boxing with you, Max. And it was a great live stream we had. So if you did jump on that live stream with us then thank you very much for doing so and i think we'll round up the podcast there so thanks for listening guys uh we will be back back with you after the jake paul summer fury fight how's it gonna go surely there's you tell us you tell us surely there's only one winner Uh, but cheers for listening and subscribing and doing all you do yeah, we'd, we'd like to hope that there is one winner, but, you know, you log into social media, you'll see how truly divided it is. Um, you guys let us know either what you think of the fight, who you think is going to win, or if you see this after, uh, what you thought and, and what were your main takeaways of the fight. But yeah, thank you for tuning in. Nice to bring some uh, some football and, and other aspects into it. Once again, RIP Marty, a, a true, true, true legend of not just football but of, of sport media and, and, and sports commentary completely um but yeah as, as noah said as well fantastic doing the live stream last week we hope to bring that to you uh, a lot more often now you know that was that was the first and it certainly won't be the last so uh look out for them as well cheers guys 